0: Welcome to this uvula audio presentation of P. G. Wodehouse's Jeeves and the Tie that Binds. Volume 4 Chapter 10 Leaning against the side of the house, I breathed, rather in the manner copywritten, by the heart which pants for cooling streams when heated in the chase. The realization of how narrowly I had missed having to mingle again with this block-busting female barrister, kept me lots wifed for what seemed like an hour or so, though I suppose it can't have been more than a few seconds. Then gradually I ceased to be a pillar of salt and was able to concentrate on finding out what on earth Ma McCorkendale's motive was in paying us a visit. It was the last place I mean to say where you could have expected to find her, considering how she stood in regard to Ginger. It was as if Napoleon had dropped in for a chat with Wellington on the Eve of Waterloo or District Attorney Hamilton Berger on Perry Mason. I've had occasion to mention earlier the advantages as a listening post afforded by the just outside the French window spot where I was standing. Invisible to those within, I could take in all they were saying, as I had done with Spode and L. P. Roncall. Both had come through loud and clear and neither had had a notion that Bertram Worcester was on the outskirts hearing all. As I could hardly step in and ask her to repeat any of her remarks, which I didn't quite catch, it was fortunate that the McCorkendale's voice was so robust, while Aunt Dahlia's, of course, would be audible if you were at Hyde Park Corner and Sheen Piccadilly Circus. I've often thought that the deaf adder I read about when I won my Scripture Knowledge Prize would have got the message right enough if the aged relative had been one of the charmers, I was able to continue leaning against the side of the house in full confidence that I shouldn't miss a syllable of either protagonist's words. The proceeding started with a couple of good mornings, Aunt Dahlia's the equivalent of what the hell, and then McCorkendale, as if aware it was up to her to offer a word of explanation. She said she had called to see Mr. Winship on a matter of great importance. Is he in? Here was the chance for the ancestor to get one up by retorting that he jolly well would be after the votes had been counted but she let it go merely saying no he'd gone out and the mccorkendale said she was sorry i would have preferred to see him in person but you i take it are his hostess so i can tell you and then you can tell him well that seemed fair enough to me and i remember thinking that these barristers put things well but it appeared to annoy the aged relative. I'm afraid I don't understand you, she said, and I knew she was getting steamed up, for if she had been her calm self, she would have said, sorry, I don't get you. If you will allow me to explain, I can do so in a few simple words. I have just had a visit from a slimy, slinking slug. I drew myself up haughtily, not much good, of course, in the cirques, but the gestures seemed called for. One does not object to fair criticism, but this was mere abuse. I can think of nothing in our relations which justifies such a description of me. My views on barristers and their way of putting things sharply changed. Whether or not Aunt Dahlia bridled, as the expression is, I couldn't say, but I think she must have, for her next words were straight from the frigid air. "'Are you referring to my nephew, Bertram Worcester?' The McCorkendale did much to remove the bad impression her previous words had made on me. She said her caller had not given his name, but she was sure he could not have been Mrs. Travers' nephew. He was a very common man, she said, and with the quickness which is so characteristic of me, I suddenly got on to it that she must be alluding to Bingley, who had been ushered into her presence immediately after I left. I could understand her applying those derogatory adjectives to Bingley, and the noun slug was just right. Once again, I found myself thinking how well barristers put things. The old ancestor, too, appeared what's the word, beginning with an M, uh, meaning less hot under the collar. Uh, mollified, that's it. The suggestion was that she could not have a nephew capable of being described as a common man mollified her. I don't say that even now she would have asked Marma Corkendale to come on a long walking tour with her, but her voice was definitely matier. "'Why do you call him a slug?' she asked, and the MacCorkendale had her answer to that. "'For the same reason that I call a spade a spade, because it is the best way of conveying a verbal image of him. He made me a disgraceful proposition.' "'What?' said Aunt Dahlia rather tactlessly. "'I could understand her being surprised.' It was difficult to envisage a man so eager to collect girlfriends as to make disgraceful propositions to Mamma Corkendale. It amazed me that Bingley could have done it. I never liked him, but I must confess to a certain admiration for his temerity A humble hero, as I felt. "'You're pulling my leg,' said the aged relative. McCorkendale came back at her briskly. "'I am doing nothing of the kind. I am telling you precisely what occurred.' i was in my drawing-room going over a speech i had prepared for the debate to-morrow when i was interrupted by the incursion of this man naturally i was annoyed i asked him what his business was and he said with the most offensive leer that he was father christmas bringing me manna in the wilderness and tidings of great joy i was about to ring the bell to have him shown out for of course i assumed "'He was intoxicated when he made me this extraordinary proposition. "'He had contrived to obtain information to the detriment of my opponent, "'and this he wished to sell me. "'He said it would make my victory in the election certain. "'It would, as he phrased it, be a snip.' "'I stirred on my base. "'If I hadn't been afraid I might be overheard, I would have said, "'Aha!' Had Sirks been other than they were, I would have stepped into the room, tapped the ancestor on the shoulder, and said, "'Didn't I tell you Bingley had information? Perhaps another time you'll believe me.' But as this would have involved renewing my acquaintance with a woman of whom I had already seen sufficient to last a lifetime, it was not within the sphere of practical politics. I remained accordingly where I was, merely hitching my ears up another couple of notches in order not to miss the rest of the dialogue. After the ancestor had said, for heaven's sake, or go blimey, or whatever it is, indicating that her visitor's story interested her strangely, the McCorkendale resumed. And what she resumed about unquestionably put the frosting on the cake. Words of doom is the only way I can think to describe the words she spoke. The man appeared as a retired valet, and he belongs to a club for butlers and valets in London, one of the rules of which... Is that all the members must be obliged to record in the club book information about their employers. My visitor explained that he had at one time been in the employment of Mr. Winship, and had duly recorded a number of the latter's escapades, which, if made public, would be certain to make the worst impression on the voters of Market Snodsbury. This surprised me. I hadn't had a notion that Bingley had ever worked for Ginger. It just shows the truth of the old saying that half the world doesn't know how the other three quarters live. He then told me without a blush of shame that on his latest visit to London he had purloined this book and now has it in his possession. I gaped in horror. I don't know why, but the thought that Bingley must have been pinching the thing at the very moment when Jeeves and I Was sipping our snootfuls in the next room, seemed to make it particularly poignant. Not that it wouldn't have been pretty poignant anyway. For years, I have been haunted by the fear that the Junior Ganymede Club book, with all the dynamite it contained, would get into the wrong hands. And the hands it had got into couldn't have been more the sort of hands you would have wished it hadn't. I don't know if I made myself clear, but what I'm driving at is that if I had been picking a degraded character to get away with that book, Bingley was the degraded character I would have picked. I remember Jeeves speaking of someone who was fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils, and that was Bingley all over. The man was wholly without feelings, and when you come up against someone without finer feelings, well, you've had it. The ancient relative was not blind to the drama and the situation, and she uttered an odd "Lord love a duck," and the McCorkendale said she might as well say "Lord love a duck." That was not an expression she would have used herself. What did you do? The ancestor asked all agog, and the McCorkendale gave that sniffing snort of hers. It was partly like an escape of steam, and partly like two or three cats unexpectedly encountering two or three dogs, but just the suggestion of a cobra waking up cross in the morning. I wondered how it had affected the late Mr. McCorkendale. Probably made him feel that there were worse things than being run over by a municipal tram. "'I sent him away with a flea in his ear. I pride myself on being a fair fighter, and his proposition revolted me. If you want to have him arrested, though, I'm afraid I cannot see how it can be done. He lives at 5 Ormont Crescent. He appears to have asked my maid to look in and see his etchings on her afternoon off.' He gave her his address, but, as I say, there would seem not to be sufficient evidence for an arrest. Our conversation was without witnesses, and he would simply have to deny possession of the book. A pity I would enjoy seeing a man like that, hanged, drawn, and quartered. She snorted again, and the ancestor, who always knows what the book of etiquette would advise, came across with the soothing syrup. She said, Mama Corkendale deserved a medal. "'I'm most obliged to you.' "'Not at all. "'It was splendid of you to turn the man down. "'As I said, I am a fair fighter. "'Apart from your revulsion at his proposition, "'it must have been very annoying for you to be interrupted "'when you were working on your speech.' "'Ah, yes, especially as a few moments before this person appeared "'I had been interrupted by an extraordinary young man "'who gave me the impression of being half-witted. "'Ah, that would be my nephew Bertie Worcester!' "'Oh, I beg your pardon.' "'No, it's quite all right.' "'I may have formed a wrong estimate of his mentality.' Our interview was very brief. I just thought it odd he should be trying to persuade me to vote for my opponent. Yes, it's the sort of thing that would seem a bright idea to Bertie. He's like that. Whimsical. Moving in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. But he ought not to have butted in when you were busy with your speech. Is it coming out well? I am satisfied with it. "'Good for you. I suppose you're looking forward to the debate.' "'Very keenly. I am greatly in favour of it. "'It simplifies things so much "'if the two opponents face one another on the same platform "'and give the voters a chance to compare their views, "'provided, of course, that both observe the decencies of debate. "'But I really must be getting back to my work.' just a moment no doubt it was the word observe that had rung a bell on the ancestor do you do the observer crossword puzzle by any chance i solve it at breakfast on sunday mornings not the whole lot oh yes every clue i have never failed yet i find it ridiculously simple then what's all that song and dance about the measured tread of saints around St. Saint Paul's? Oh, I guess that one immediately. The answer, of course, is pedometer. You measure tread with a pedometer. Do, meaning St. Paul's, comes in the middle and Peter for St. Peter, round it. Very simple. Of course. Well, thank you. You've taken a great weight off my mind. said so Aunt Dahlia, and they parted in complete amity, a thing I wouldn't have thought possible when Mama Corkadel was one of the partners. For perhaps a quarter of a minute after I had rejoined the human herd, as represented by my late father's sister, Dahlia, I wasn't able to get a word in. The old ancestor, being fully occupied with saying what she thought of the compiler of the observer crossword puzzle with particular reference to domes and madometers. And when she had said her say on that subject, she embarked on a rueful tribute to the McCorkendale, giving it as her opinion that against a woman with a brain like that, Ginger hadn't the meagre chance of a toupee in a high wind. Though she added in a more hopeful vein, now that the menace of the Ganymede Club book had been squashed, there was just a possibility that the eloquence of Spode might get his nose in front. All this while I had been trying to cut in with my opening remark, which was to the effect that the current situation was a bit above the odds, but it was only when I had repeated this for the third time that I succeeded in obtaining her attention. "'This is a bit thick, what?' I said, varying my approach slightly. She seemed surprised, as if the idea had not occurred to her. "'Thick?' "'Well, isn't it?' "'Why, if you were listening, you heard her say that being a fair fighter— she had scorned the tempter and sent him away with a flea in his ear, which must be a most uncomfortable thing to have. Bingley must have been baffled, only for the nonce, nonsense, not nonsense, nonce, which isn't the same thing at all. I feel that Bingley, though crushed to earth, will rise again. How about if he sells that book with all its ghastly contents to the market Snarsbury Argus Intelligencer? I was alluding to the powerful bi-weekly sheet that falls over itself in its efforts to go down the conservative cause, omitting no word or act to make anyone with conservative leanings feel like a piece of cheese. Coming out every Wednesday and Saturday with proofs of Ginger's past, I did not see how it could fail to give his candidature the left hook in the lower ribs. I put this to the old blood relation in no uncertain terms. I might have added that that would wipe the silly smile off her face, but there was no necessity. She saw at once that I spoke sooth, and a crisp, hunting expletive escaped her. She goggled at me with all the open dismay of an ant who has inadvertently bitten into a bad oyster. I never thought of that. Well, give it your attention now. Those Argus Intelligencer hounds stick at nothing. The sky is notoriously their limit. Did you tell me Ginger had done time? I said he was always in the hands of the police on boat race night, and of course on rugger night. What's rugger night? The night of the annual rugby football encounter between the universities of Oxford and Cambridge. Many blithe spirits get even more effervescent than when celebrating the boat race. Ginger was one of them. He really got jogged? Oh, invariably. His practice of pinching policemen's helmets ensured that. Release the next morning on payment of a fine, but definitely after spending the night in a dungeon cell, there was no doubt I had impressed on her the gravity of the situation. She gave a sharp cry like that of a stepped on dachshund, and her face took on the purple tinge it always assumes in moments of strong emotion. This does it, oh, fairly serious, I agree, fairly serious. The merest whisper of such goings-on will be enough to alienate every voter in the town. Ginger's done for it. You don't think they might excuse him because his blood was young at the time? Not a hope. They won't be worrying about his ruddy blood. You don't know what these blighters here are like. Most of them are chapel folk with a moral code that would have struck Torquemada as too rigid. Torquemada? the Spanish Inquisition man." "'Oh, that Torquemada! How many Torquemadas did you think there were?' I admitted it was not a common name. She carried on. "'We must act.' "'But how?' "'Or rather, you must act. You must go to this man and reason with him.' I hemmed a bit at this. I doubted whether a fellow with Bingley's lust for gold would listen to reason what shall i say you'll know what to say oh i shall shall i appeal to his better instincts he doesn't have any now don't make difficulties bertie that's your besetting sin always arguing you want to help ginger don't you of course i do very well then When an aunt has her mind set on a thing, it's no use trying to put a Nolo proseque in. I turned to the door. Halfway there, a thought occurred to me, and I said, How about Jeeves? What about him? We ought to spare his feelings as far as possible. I repeatedly warned him that that club book was high-level explosive and ought not be in existence. What if it fell into the wrong hands, I said, and he said it couldn't possibly fall into the wrong hands, and now it has fallen into about the wrongest hands it could have possibly fallen into. I haven't the heart to say I told you so and watch him writhe with shame and confusion. You see, up till now, jesus has always been right. His agony on finding he has at last made a floater will be frightful. I shouldn't wonder if he might not swoon. I can't face him. You'll have to tell him. Fine, I'll do that. Break it to him gently. I will. When you were listening outside, did you get this man Bingley's address? I got it. Fine, then off you go. So off I went. Chapter 11 Considering how shaky was his moral outlook, and how marked his tendency to weave low plots at the drop of a hat, you would have expected Bingley's headquarters to have been one of those sinister underground dens, lit by stumps of candles stuck in the mouths of empty beer bottles but no number five ormond crescent turned out to be quite an expensive looking joint with a nice little bit of garden in front of it well supplied with geraniums bird baths and terracotta gnomes the sort of establishment that might have belonged to a blameless retired colonel or a saintly stockbroker evidently his late uncle hadn't been just an ordinary small-time grocer "'weighing out potted meats and raisins to a public "'that had to watch the pennies, "'but something on a much more impressive scale. "'I'd learned later that he had owned a chain of shops, "'one of which was as far afield as Birmingham. "'And why the ass had gone and left his money "'to a chap like Bingley is more than I can tell you, "'though the probability is that Bingley, "'before bumping him off with some little-known Asiatic poison, "'had taken the precaution of forging the will.' On the threshold, I paused. I remembered in my early days at the private school where I won my scripture knowledge prize, Arnold Abney, M.A. The headmaster would sometimes announce that he wished to see Worcester in his study after morning prayers, and I always halted at the study door, a prey to uneasiness and apprehension, not liking the shape of things to come. It was much the same now. I shrank from the impending interview. But whereas in the case of A. Abney my disinclination to get things moving had been due to a fear that the proceedings were going to lead up to six of the best from a cane that stuck like an adder, with Bingley it was a natural reluctance to ask a favour of a fellow I couldn't stand the sight of. I wouldn't say the Worcesters were particularly proud, but we do rather jib at having to grovel to the scum of the earth. However, it had to be done, and as I heard G. say once, if it were done, then to a well to a done quickly. Stiffening the sinews and summoning up the blood to quilt another of his gags, I pressed the bell. If I had had any doubts as to Bingley's now being in the chips, the sight of the butler who opened the door would have dispelled them. In assembling his domestic staff, Bingley had done himself proud, sparing no expense. I don't say this butler was quite in the class of Jesus Uncle Charlie Silversmith, "'But he came so near that the breath was taken away. "'And like Uncle Charlie, he believed in pomp and ceremony when butling. "'I asked him if I could see Mr Bingley, "'and he said coldly that the master was not receiving. "'I think he will see me. I'm an old friend of his.' "'I will inquire your name's Ha? "'Mr Worcester.' "'He pushed off to return some moments later "'to say that Mr Bingley would be glad,' "'if I would join him in the library. "'Speaking in what seemed to me a disapproving voice, "'as though to suggest that, "'while he was compelled to carry out his master's orders, "'however eccentric, "'he would never have admitted a chap like me "'if it had been left to him. "'If you would step this way, sir,' he said haughtily. "'What with one thing and another, "'I had gotten rather out of touch lately "'with that, if you would step this way, sir, staff.' and it was in a somewhat rattled frame of mind that I entered the library and found Bingley in an armchair with his feet up on an occasional table. He greeted me cordially enough though with that touch of the patronising so noticeable at our two previous meetings.
1: "'Ey, Worcester, my dear fellow, come in. I told Bastable to tell everyone I wasn't at home, but of course you're different. Always glad to see an old pale, eh?' What could I do for you, Worcester?
0: I had to say for him that he made it easy for me to introduce the subject I was anxious to discuss. I was about to get going when he asked me if I'd like a drink. I said no thanks, and he said in an insufferably smug way that it
1: was probably wise. I often thought when I was staying with you at Chuffnell Regis that you drank too much, Worcester. Remember how you burned that cottage down? Sober man wouldn't have done that. You must have been stewed to the eyebrows, Cocky.
0: A hot denial trembled on my lips. I mean to say it's a bit thick to be chided for burning cottages down from the very chap who put them to the flames. But I restrained myself. The man I reminded myself had to be kept in with. If that was how he remembered the night of terror at Chuffnell Regis, it was not for me to destroy his illusions. I refrained from comment, and he asked if I would like a cigar. When I said I wouldn't, he nodded like a father pleased with a favourite son.
1: I'm glad to see this improvement in you, Worcester. Always thought you smoked too much. Moderation, moderation in all things. That's the only way, eh, son? But you were going to tell me why you came here. Just for a chat about old times, was it?
0: It's with reference to that book you pinched from the Junior Ganymede. He'd been drinking a whiskey and soda... As I spoke, and he drained the glass before replying,
1: I wish you wouldn't use the word pinch. He said, looking puff faced, was plain I'd given him offence. I simply borrowed it because I needed it in my business. They'll get it back all right.
0: Missus McCorkendale told my aunt who tried to sell it to her. His annoyance increased. His air was that of a man compelled to listen to a tactless oaf who persisted in saying the wrong thing.
1: Not at all. Not sell. I would have had a clause in the agreement saying she was to return it when she was done with it. The idea I had in mind was she would have photostatic copies made of the pages dealing with young Wing Chip without the book going out of my possession. But the deal didn't come off. She wouldn't cooperate. Fortunately, I have other markets. It's the sort of property there'll be a lot of people bidding for. But why are you interested, old man? Nothing to do with you, is it? I'm a pal of
0: ginger windships.
1: And I've no objection to him myself. Nice enough young fella. Always seemed to me, though the wrong size. Wrong size, I said. Not getting this. His shirts didn't fit me. Not that I hold that against him. These things are all a matter of luck. Don't run away with the idea that I'm a man with a grievance, trying to get back at him for something he did to me when I was staying at his place. Our relations were very pleasant. I quite liked him, and it didn't matter to me one way or the other who won this election. Ah, just as soon he came out on top. But business is business. After studying form, I did some pretty heavy betting on McCorkendale, and I gotta protect me investments, old oh, man. That's only common sense, right?'
0: He paused, apparently expecting a round of applause for his prudence. When I remained sotto voce, and silent as a tomb, he proceeded.
1: If you want to get along in this world, Worcester, old chap, you gotta grasp your opportunities. That's what I do. I examine each situation that crops up, and I ask myself, what is there in this for me? How, I ask myself, can I handle the situation so as to do Rupert Bingley a bit of good and it's not often I don't find a way this time I didn't even have to think there was young Chip trying to get into parliament and here I was standing to win something like a couple of hundred quid if he lost the election and there was a club book with all the stuff in it which would make it certain he did lose I recognised it at once as money for jam the only problem was how to get the book and I'll soon solved that I don't know if you noticed, that day we met at the Ginga Ganymede, I had a large briefcase with me, and then I said I'd got to see the secretary about something, well what I wanted to see him about was borrowing the book, and I wouldn't have to find some clever way of getting him looking the other way while I did it, because I knew he'd be out to lunch. So I popped in, popped the book in the briefcase and popped off, and nobody saw me. Nobody saw me come out. The whole operation was like taking candy from a kid.
0: There are stories which fill the men of sensibility with a horror, repugnance, aberrance, and disgust. I don't mean anecdotes like the one Cat's Meat Potter Pilbright tell me of the drones. I am referring to loathsome revelations such as the bit of autobiography to which I had just been listening. To say that I felt as if the Worcester soul had been spattered with mud by a passing car would not be putting it at all too strongly. I also felt that nothing was to be gained by continuing this distasteful interview. I had some idea of going into the possibility about Agatha's reading the contents of the club book and touching on the doom, desolation and despair which must inevitably be my portion if she did. But I saw that it would be fruitless or bootless. The man was without something and pity. Ruth, would that be it? I know it begins with an R, and would simply have given me the horse's laugh. I am now quite certain that he had murdered his uncle and forged the will. Such a performance to such a man would have been mere routine. I turned accordingly to the door, but before I got there he stopped me, wanting to know if, when coming to stay with Aunt Dahlia, I had brought Reggie G's with me. I said I had, and he said he'd like to see old Reggie again. What a cough drop! He said mirthfully... The epithet was strange to me, but weighing it and deciding that it was intended to be a compliment and a tribute to his many gifts, I agreed that Jeeves was, in the deepest and truest sense, a cough drop.
1: "'Tell Bastable as you go out that if Reggie calls to send him up, but nobody else.' "'Right-ho.' "'Good man, Bastable. He places my bets for me. Which reminds me, have you done as I advised and put a bit on Mamma Corkindale?' for the market, Snosbury Snakes. No, do it without fail, Worcester old man. You'll never regret it. It'll be like finding money in the street.
0: I wasn't feeling any too good as I drove away. I have described my heart-bound downness on approaching the Arnold Abney study door after morning prayers in the days of my youth, when I was in Statue Pupillari, as the expression is, and I was equally apprehensive now as i faced the prospect of telling the old ancestor of my failure to deliver the goods in the matter of bingley i didn't suppose she would give me six of the best as a abney was prone to do but she would certainly not hesitate to let me know she was displeased aunts as a class are like napoleon if it was napoleon they expect their orders to be carried out without a hitch and don't listen to excuses nor was i mistaken after lunching at a pub in order to postpone the meeting as long as possible, I returned to the old homestead and made my report, and was unfortunate enough to make it while she was engaged in reading a Rex Stout, in the hard cover, not the paperback. When she threw this at me with accurate aim which years of practice had given her, its sharp edge took me on the tip of the nose, making me blink a little. I might have known you would mess the whole thing up! she boomed it wasn't my fault aged relative i said i did my best i did as much as any man could do i thought i had it there but i was wrong it was a sort of line which can generally be counted on to soothe her savage breast but this time it laid an egg she snorted her snorts are not the sniffing snorts snorted by mama corkendale but they resemble more explosion in the larger type of ammunition dump and they sent strong men rocking back on their heels as if struck by lightning. How do you mean you did your best? You don't seem to me to have done anything. Did you threaten to have him arrested? Well, no, I didn't. Did you grasp him by the throat and shake him like a rat? I admitted that that hadn't occurred to me. In other words, you did absolutely nothing, she said. And thinking it over, I had to own up that she was perfectly right. It's funny how one doesn't notice these things at the time. It was only now I realised I had let Bingley do all the talking, and self-offering practically nil in the way of a comeback. I could hardly have made less of a contribution to the conversation if I had been the deaf adder I had mentioned earlier. She heaved herself up from the chaise lounge on which she was reclining. Her manner was peevish. In time, of course, she would get over her chagrin and start loving her Bertram again as of yore, but there was no getting away from it that an aunt's affection was, as of even date, at its lowest ebb. She said gloomily, "'I'll have to do it myself!' "'You're going to see Bingley?' "'I am going to see Bingley, and I am going to talk to Bingley, and I am going, if necessary, to take Bingley by the throat and shake him!' "'Like a rat!' yes like a rat she had the quiet confidence of a woman who had been shaking rats by the throat since she was the slip of a girl five almond crescent here i come it shows to what an extent happenings in and about margaret snarlsbury had affected my mental processes that she had been gone at least ten minutes before the thought of bastable floated into my mind and i wished i had been able to give her a word of warning that zealous employee of Rupert Bingley had been instructed to see to it that no callers were to be admitted to the presence, and I saw no reason to suppose he would fail in his duty when the old ancestor showed up. He would not use physical violence, indeed, with a woman of her physique he would be unwise to attempt it, but it would be the work of an instant with him not to ask her to step this way, thus ensuring her departure with what Marma Corkendale would call a flea in her ear. I could see her returning in, say, about a quarter of an hour, a baffled and defeated woman. And I was right. It was some twenty minutes later, as I sat reading the wrecked stat which she had used as a guided missile, that heavy breathing became audible without, and shortly afterwards she became visible within, walking with the measured tread of a saint going around St Paul's. A far less discerning eye than mine would have spotted that she had been having bastable trouble. It would have been kinder, perhaps, not to have spoken, but it was one of those occasions when you feel you have to say something. Any luck, I inquired? She sank onto the chaise lounge, simmering gently. She punched a cushion, and I could see she was wishing it could have been bastable. He was essentially the sort of man who asks, nay, clamours, to be treated in this manner. No, she said. I couldn't get in. Why was that? I asked, wearing the mask. A beefy butler sort of bird slammed the door in my face. Oh, that's too bad. And I was just too late to get my foot in. How is necessary to work quick on those occasions. The most precise timing is called for. Artie should have admitted me. I suppose my air of quiet distinction was what turned the scale. What did you do? I came away. What else could I have done? Now I can see how difficult it must have been. The maddening part of it is that I was all set to try to get that money out of L.P. Runcal this afternoon. I felt that today was the day. But if my luck's out as it seems to be, perhaps I had better postpone that. And not strike while the iron is hot? It may not be hot enough. Well, you're the judge, you know, I said. And getting back to the main issue... The ambassador to conduct the negotiation with Bingley, it seems, is Jeeves. It is he who should have been given the assignment. When I am speechless in Bingley's presence, and you can't even get into the house, he would be inside and talking a blue streak before you could say what ho. And he has the added advantage that Bingley seems to be fond of him. He thinks he's a cough drop. What on earth is a cough drop? I don't know, but it's something Bingley admires. When he spoke of him as one, it was with a genuine ring of enthusiasm in his voice. Did you tell Jeeves about Bingley having the book? Yes, I told him. How did he take it? You know how Jeeves takes things. One of his eyebrows rose a little, and he said he was shocked and astounded. Well, that's strong stuff from him. Most disturbing is as far as it usually goes. It's a curious thing, said so the aged relative thoughtfully. As I was driving off in the car, I thought I saw Jeeves coming away from Bingley's place, though I couldn't be sure it was him. Oh, must have been. His first move on getting the lowdown from you about the book would have been to go and see Bingley. What if he's back yet? Not likely. I was driving and he was walking. There wouldn't be time. I'll ring for Steppings and ask. Oh, Steppings, I said, when he answered the bell. Is Jeeves
1: downstairs. No, sir. He went out and has not returned.
0: When he does, could you tell him to come and see me, please?
1: Very good, sir.
0: I thought of asking if Jeeves, when he left, had had the air of a man going to number five Ormond Crescent, but decided that this might be trying seppings too high, so let it go. He withdrew, and we sat for some time talking about Jeeves then feeling that this wasn't going to get us anywhere and that nothing constructive could be accomplished till he returned, we took up the matter of L.P. Rincal. At least the aged relative took it up, and I put the question that I had been wanting to put to earlier on the stage. You say, I said, that you felt today was the day for approaching him. What gave you that idea? The way he tucked into his lunch, the way he talked about it afterwards. Lyrical was the only word for it and I wasn't surprised. Anatole had surpassed himself. Ah! The Supreme de Fragois au Champagne? Yes, and the Neige au Pearl de Alpes. I heaved a silent sigh, thinking of what might have been. The garbage I had had to insult the Worcester stomach with at the pub had been a particularly lethal nature. Generally, these rural pubs are all right in the manner of browsing, but I had been so unfortunate as to pick one run by the branch of the Borgia family. The thought had occurred to me as I ate that if Bingley had given his uncle lunch there one day, he wouldn't have had to go to all the bother and expense of buying little-known Asiatic poisons. I would have told the aged relative this, hoping for sympathy, but at that moment the door opened, and in came Jeeves. Opening the conversation with that gentle cough of his, That sounds like a very old sheep clearing its throat on a misty mountain top," He said, You wished to see me, sir? He couldn't have had a warmer welcome if he had been the prodigal son whose life story I'd had to bone up on when I won that scripture knowledge prize. The welkin, what there was of it in the drawing room, rang with our excited yappings. Come in, Jeeves, come in! Bella, the aged relative. Yes, Jeeves, come in, come in, I cried. We were waiting for you with with what? Bated breath, said the ancestor. That's right, with bated breath and tense quivering nerves, not to mention twitching muscles and bitten fingernails. Tell me, Jeeves, was that you I saw coming away from 5 Ormond Crescent about an hour ago? Yes, madam. You'd been to see Bingley. Yes, madam. About the book. Yes, madam. "'Did you tell him he had jolly well got to return it?' "'No, madam.' "'Then why on earth did you go see him?' "'To obtain the book, madam.' "'But you said you didn't tell him.' "'There was no necessity to broach the subject, madam. He had not yet recovered consciousness. If I might explain, on my arrival at his residence he offered me a drink, which I accepted. He took one himself.' and we talked for a while of this and that. Then I succeeded in diverting his attention for a moment, and while his scrutiny was elsewhere, I was able to insert a chemical substance into his beverage, which had the effect of rendering him temporarily insensible. I thus had ample time to make a search of the room. I had assumed that he would be keeping the book there close to him, and I had not been in error. It was in a lower drawer in the desk, I secured it and took my departure. Stunned by this latest revelation of his efficiency and do-it-yourselfness, I was unable to utter, but the old ancestor gave the sort of cry or yowl which must have rung over many a hunting field, causing the members of the Corn and Pitchley to leap into their saddles like Mexican jumping-beans. "'You mean you slipped him a Mickey fin?' I believe that is what they are termed in the Argo, madam. Do you always carry them with you? I am seldom without a small supply, madam. Never know when they are going to come in handy, eh? Precisely, madam. Opportunities for their use are constantly arising. Well, I can only say thank you. You have snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. It is kind of you to say so, madam. Much obliged, Jeeves not at all madam i was expecting the aged relative to turn to me at this point and tick me off for not having had the sense to give bingley a mickey finn myself and i knew for you cannot reason with aunts that it would be no use in pleading that i hadn't got any but her jocund mood caused her to abstain Returning to the subject of LP Runkal, she said that this had made her realise that her luck was in after all, and she was going to press it. I'll go and see him now she yipped. And I confidently expect to play on him as a stringed instrument. Out of my way, young Bertie she cried, heading for the door, or I'll trample you to the dust. Yikes she added, Reverting to the patois of the old hunting days, Tommy, ho, gone away, hard, forward. What words to that effect?